Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Welcome to On the Continent, your one-stop shop for all things to do with European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. In Italy, Serie A kicks off the new season without Lukaku, but with Mourinho. Also from Germany with Lewandowski. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there. As Bayern already uh, win their first trophy of the season and after... An unlikely thrashing and a dressing room bust-up. Whatever happened to the likely Lyons, who, well, last season looked like they were title contenders in League 1. Should we start off, uh, Nikki, with what's going on in Serie A at the moment? Definitely. Uh, the headline news, of course, <laughs> I would have thought was Inter not only losing Lukaku, but also losing another frontline player. Well, yeah, Lukaku's gone, Hakimi's gone, Antonio Conte's gone, who, of course, is not a player, but was introduced by Beppe Marotta and referred to as their top player. So Inter are um, hugely, hugely transformed from where they were last season. I I, I want to say diminished, because I think they are. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating season at Inter, actually, because I do think... Uh, it's really intriguing and exciting to see what Simone Inzaghi, who has earned this chance, I think his his consistency of, of performance at Lazio and what he turned that team into really gave it an identity and something very clear in terms of its style and how it played football. He's earned an opportunity like this, but he came into this club and he'd literally said the day before agreeing to join Inter, he'd agreed terms on a contract renewal at, at Lazio, his offer from Inter, turned his head, goes to Inter, and he absolutely believed that Lukaku was part of that plan. And he believed that because Lukaku believed that Lukaku was part of that plan. Lukaku showed up to training, pre-season training, a day early. He told people days before joining Chelsea um, that he was looking forward to his future at Inter. He didn't want to go anywhere, that he was happy where he was. And, and it was this thing, which actually he has talked about even since joining Chelsea. Uh, he gave an interview to the, the Guardian, I think, this morning. And... Um, Winning trophies, being some, you know, being finally in his career, getting to be the man and to win things. 
but I guess um, Money Talks, I guess he was sold on the Chelsea Project and it has left Inzaghi with uh, a completely transformed outlook because you've lost the striker who scored most goals for you in Serie A last season, the player who got the most assists for you in Serie A last season and also the player who the fans loved most of all, the one who was the icon, the one who did drag the team forward, the one who does have two murals outside San Siro dedicated to him, which have both been vandalised. I was going to ask, ask, ask about those. Um, it's, it's so transformative. And mm. and so far, in terms of replacing him, they brought in Edin Dzeko, who, sure, that no one's questioning Edin Dzeko's talent, his pedigree, but he is 35 years old. He is a player that Roma were desperate to get off their books because his salary was just one of those burdens on them. And he was injured a lot last season, was out of favour um, at a certain point in Paolo Fonseca. It, it looks really bad. It looks really bad. And I think even I've had to sort of check myself a little bit the other day because um, you say all these things. You also point out, by the way, Christian Eriksen, we still don't know if he'll ever play football again. You know, it, it, seems un, it seems hard to imagine it happening, but he hasn't yet sort of made that statement that he won't. So even I've sort of looked at all that and thought, well, this is completely catastrophic. Take a step back and you can say, look, this team still has everything from the back three that was the tightest defence in Serie A last season. Really good defence. De Vrij, Bastoni, Skriniar, brilliant. It's got Nicola Barella and Marcelo Brozovic in central midfield. Stefano Sensi, if he can sort of stay fit enough and, and, and reach those levels again. That's a great core in midfield. Added Chalanoglu as well. Added Chalanoglu from, oh. from, from Milan. It's called Altaro Martinez up front. This is not suddenly a team of scrubs, but you still can't turn away from looking at this in the big picture and going, God, it's a lot less than what it was last season but that's what it's about really it's about confidence isn't it mm. and it, it reminds me a little bit although it's a different reason for making those sales um to the monaco team that won the 27 2017 title in france because they had their plan um we've discussed it before you get rid of um bakayoko bernardo silva you balance the books everything's cool and then they make that sale too many because they're offered more than three times what they paid for Benjamin Mendy. World record fee for a fullback. And then at that point, it's, it's a great deal on a, on, a, on a financial standpoint. And clearly they needed to make the Lukaku deal into, but it's, I mean, I mean, even more so with him because he's such a talisman. Is it the sale too many where it rocks confidence and, what has happened before that's rocked Lukaku's confidence in the project? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a really, really fascinating parallel. And I agree with you about the idea of a sale too many. Hakimi was, everyone knew Hakimi was going. And yeah, it's a good price in this market. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing, but you've had him for one season and you've got like a, something like two thirds in, in, increase in his value in one season, you've sold him. You know, that's business that you can understand. And you can also look at that and say, yes, he was really good, but. We we can we can find something that works in that position. Lukaku, again, it, it's not just about his talent. It's about what he represented in that project, in that team. The he personality puts a shift he was. in, doesn't he? He does. He, he puts the team on his shoulders, Dot, and he mm. really did it Inter. Like he he was so relishing being the man there, and Inter so wanted him to be the man there. And I think that's really really stark contrast with some of the places he's been in his career. I think he got that at Everton, mm. but at Everton, the project was not as ambitious as Inter's. Whereas at Manchester United, I don't think he ever was treated like that. And it it was seemed like such a, a, a symbiosis. And again, the way he talked about it, I think that selling Lautaro 
on paper, you could look at that and go, is it as good? You've got a younger player, someone who's got more sort of time to give. But I think it would not have had the emotional impact that selling Lukaku has had. I think selling Lukaku has really upset people. And especially because, again, he himself was saying days earlier, no, I'm here and I'm doing this, I'm looking forward to it. Is it a sale too many? Again, I I don't I just don't see that you can replace what he gave you. And that and that is a really, really big open question for Inter. Look, the transfer window isn't closed. So no. maybe they can go and do some business that makes you feel better about this. Um but I, I do think that um it's a pretty tough ask to sell two players that important in one summer and not come away from it with your aspirations uh, hugely, hugely dented by it. I think in terms of choices, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you you were saying it would have been better to sell Lautaro than it would have been to sell Lukaku. And I agree with you. The the question is, if you sell Lautaro, can you keep Lukaku? Does does that shake his confidence? I mean, maybe, maybe, this is just me speculating here, but if they... He, the thing that changes his mind clearly is he knows the club has got to make more sales. And if the club say to him, well, we've got to sell one of the two of you. Yeah. And I want to be the one that gets out and gets a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. And and look. And that's understandable, I think. It, it is also worth stressing, and you've sort of already touched on it, like in terms of the financials of this deal, it's, it's, it, it's extraordinary business again for Inter because they signed him for 60 million. So again, you've added, I mean, it's not quite double, but it's getting towards double. After two amazing after two seasons. Years that you've got loads out of. Mm. And he's not old, but he's also not young. So, mm. you know, you're not necessarily going to expect that value to keep going up and up and up. And it's in the toughest market for decades in European football, really, um, yeah. because of COVID. So financially, it's it's a better deal than I think you could get for Lautaro right now. And there is a case that Lautaro has got much more to give in his career. And, I'm, and funnily enough, in that dynamic that you just talked about, Andy, you... It's a it's a thought I hadn't really thought about. And now you say that, I think to myself, yeah, I think if Lautaro goes, Lukaku probably is saying, what's happening here? What's the project? I'm like, do I want to be here? Whereas Lukaku going, I can imagine Lautaro looking around and going, okay, now I'm the man. Yeah, Now I get exactly. to do this. Exactly. Um, and actually that is something that I think Lautaro might might want, even though I think he also loved playing with Lukaku and there's, they had a brilliant partnership. There's been a bit of fishing for a new contract already, hasn't mm. there? <laughs> Well, they don't waste time, do they? No. <laughs> um, the, the Clearly, and what you said, Nikki, about your ambitions being diminished, the expectations from the fans won't be as great, I imagine, this season. No? I mean, well, the, the, I think expectation in terms of what they think will happen is is, is obviously gone down. That doesn't mean they're happy about it. No, sure. Um, a furious fan base at Inter at the moment. I mean, mutinous, um, um, I would say, in terms of their... Her relationship with the um, with the ownership and and everything that's gone on, I, I, it's extraordinary. Because when they won the title, you had fans literally singing uh, homages to Stephen Chang, the club president. And then within days, you've got <laughs> open letters from fan uh, fan groups that are hostile, that are furious, that are um, you know telling them to 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 shape up or ship out, basically. Which I mean, look in in the long run. I can't see Sunning staying involved in the club anyway because the Chinese investment laws, the way they've gone out, it's just not practical. But they need to find a way of getting out that isn't uh, disastrous for them, which is uh, going to be complicated at this point. I mean, that's the question. Are they remembered as the owners who brought the title back after a decade or are they remembered yeah. as 
the owners who lost Pirelli from the shirt. Right. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's maybe a loss, to, a, a loss too many. But there is like a real loved and lost thing here, right? Like, would you rather as Inter fans, um, assuming this doesn't lead to sort of total catastrophe and bankruptcy or something sort of unthinkable, would you rather have had that one year of, of smashing Juventus and, and getting back on top and then lose it for a while? Or would you rather have... Uh, plotted along in, in fourth place and uh, not even fourth place they have been in some season recently so. that, is, that is the thing isn't it uh, like if you go back to that that f- that, that run under Mancini and Mourinho mm. they're the not beating amazing sides in the league yeah. this is different even if it did end up with a treble in 2010 but I mean there must be a sense I think with Inter fans of here we go again with Allegri coming back to Juventus although I tend to think they're in a bit of a weird spot because the the squad needed a bit of reconstruction when he left. It still needs a bit of reconstruction now. They're further away from the Champions League than when he left and a, a realistic pop at it. Although maybe they've moved away from that we have to win it, which is just a really unhealthy way to, I think, run any club. The, the question for me... and. I've touched on this elsewhere. The fact that the best bits of Juventus last season, with all due respect to the goals that Cristiano Ronaldo scored, is where Chiesa and Morata click. But all of a sudden, we're talking about a new contract for Dybala, who's a favourite of Allegri. They can't shift Aaron Ramsey, which is why they haven't brought back Miralem Pjanic yet. Mm. But it just feels like he wants to run it back. Yeah, I... I definitely think there's a a whole series of of intriguing dynamics playing out into at Juventus right now. Ronaldo is obviously this big overarching thing. Um, I personally can't see how he ends up leaving this season because who's going to take up those wages? So I think yeah. this last year is inevitable. I don't think at all that that Instagram statement that he put out cleared anything up. I some sort of reports in Italy sort of. Uh, there's an Instagram post, a post if you guys haven't seen it um, Ronaldo basically has a, a, a very angry attack of people who he says are frivolously discussing my, my future in a disrespectful way to the clubs um, and there were immediate reports in Italy saying Ronaldo uh, you know, sort of staying at Juventus and he like, doesn't say that he doesn't though, say does it he? at all he doesn't say it yeah. at all um, so I, I don't think he wants to be there particularly but I think there's not going to be another out for him so I think he's there but you're right that the team is 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 trying to sort of stack its deck for the post-Ronaldo now and, and I think that it's going to be really, really inter- interesting to see how Allegri even handles Ronaldo. He's already said publicly he's going to have to sit some games out like everybody else. Um, but it has created this huge power shift to Dybala who is got one year left on his contract who they were hoping to get a quick extension done for but they have not been able to get a quick extension done for and suddenly Dybala who has had up and down the last couple of years. He did well under Sarri when he was um, when he was fit. He actually got player of the season, but um, he he was um, I don't know. He was was really a sort of a concentrated part of that season where he did well rather than consistently. And even if you go back to the end of Allegri's last tenure, yes, twenty two goals the season before Ronaldo arrives. The season that Ronaldo arrives, Tabar scored five times and was basically considered to be a less good foil for Ronaldo than Manzukic. So Dybala, who has not been He's had brilliant, brilliant moments, but I think he's 27 now and he's never been the superstar that I think people thought he was going to become when he was in his early 20s. He's, he's got bags of talent, but the consistent production has never actually happened for him really up to this point in his career. And, and suddenly I think that he has this tremendous power 
with this new contract and how much are Juventus going to stretch for him? Stepping aside from all that, I think, sure, but they've got Federico Chiesa, who is becoming something really extraordinary. He's a superstar. Yeah, I think he's one of Italian football's real superstars now and, and is only, unless something horrible happens like an injury, he's, he should only get better from here. Um, they've got uh, Manuel Locatelli coming in on an absolutely outrageous bargain of a deal. They're going to get him essentially free for the first couple of years just on loan and then when they have to sign him at the end of it for uh, 35 million of all the bonuses are coming in. It's it's. I know we're in a down period, but that's that's a bargain for a player who's uh, an Italy international and, and has really the quality that they've been lacking in that midfield in terms of someone who can put this foot on the ball. Um, you've got uh, Kulisevsky still, who, yeah, disappointing last season, but again, no shortage of talent there. There's, there's so much still to like in this team. Mm. Um, and of course, still, for now, Chiellini and Bonucci, the back delict, who's been, um, again, not hasn't been a completely um, smooth uh, transition, but I think he's developing in the right direction still. Is It's it's still a very good team, and it's Allegri. I, I, mm-hmm. I find it hard to... I find it hard to cast them as anything other than favourites, which doesn't mean they win it in the end because there are some other teams still to talk about. And I know we're talking about Italy a lot right now, but Juventus are the favourites for sure. Okay, never mind the favourites. Let's talk about the dark horses. That's what a lot of our listeners uh, want to hear about. Uh, Tom Fornelli, and incidentally, if you do want to get in touch with a question for the team here at OTC, then uh, feel free to drop us a line at Football Ramble. Uh, at Dotton Adebayo, at Nikki Bandini, and also at Andy Brassel as well. So this is from Tom, who says, who is the dark horse to win the Scudetto, and why is it Napoli? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I, I, I saw this late last night as I was going to bed. I saw this tweet and I loved it because I had filed a few hours earlier my Guardian um, Serie A preview in which I cast Napoli as a dark horse. So I was like... <laughs> This guy gets it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I agree with Tom. Um, I I think that uh, when you, it it's been an extraordinarily extraordinarily disruptive summer for lots of Serie clubs. In as much as um, eight of the top ten teams from last season changed managers. So in terms of the overall picture, it's it's there's a lot of change. Napoli are one of the teams that changed managers, but their team has basically stayed the same. They haven't lost any big pieces yet. Again, the window isn't closed yet, and. Under um, Gennaro Gattuso, a lot of people felt that they were slightly underperforming, that they weren't at the level they should have been. Spalletti is a manager who hasn't won Serie A, but he's won cups in Italy. He's been a, a, a manager of Roma teams that came really close to the title in Italy. Um, he is a, a manager with great pedigree and um, and he's won in, 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 in Zenit. And he's if you look at that squad and you think, well, even last season with, with Napoli, Victor Osimhen, who's a club record signing, was injured quite a bit. If he keeps that team together and if Osimhen is fit and has now sort of fully had a year to integrate and you've got all of these options in attack alongside him from Insignia to Mertens um, to uh, oh, Hernandez. Sorry, my mind was going blank. And then you've got Jelinski in midfield behind them. You've got Diego Demme. He's a little bit sad. He's, he's injured for the beginning of the season, but you've got him in, in the longer run. You've still got Koulibaly anchoring it all at the back. You've still got a really good team. Mm. Spalletti as manager, I mean, he's had ups and downs. But if if this is um, a season where nobody is quite dominant, I, I could see this team putting together a run. The talent is there. The question is whether or not Spalletti can put it together. I really love this theme of like Serie A sort of going 
Back to the Future <laughs> with um, him coming back with Mourinho coming back as well. And it, you I must thought have, he was the dark horse, Mourinho at Roma. Well, well I, I, guess, I, I guess after after the, the, the last couple of years, he's really a dark horse, isn't he? <laughs> or, for, or for people outside Italy, because I thought the interesting thing, the way he was received when he took the Roma job, Jose Mourinho, in the Italian press was... It, it felt like they were receiving a different Mourinho <laughs> yeah. to the Mourinho that has been at Tottenham for the last couple of years. Yeah, and Mourinho is frozen in time in Italy as the, the treble winner of 2010, um, which this is uh, going to be a, a make or break, I guess, for him because either he could win again and everyone will think, my goodness, this Roma team was not ready to win the title and he came along, or he could shatter everyone's illusions that they've held on to for a decade. I, I love the Tammy Abraham signing. Um, I, I really love it. I, I think it's it's such a a change for Roma. I can't think of the last striker at Roma who really liked to play on the the shoulder of a defender and did it well. You know, Checo's been brilliant, but he is a a target man. He's someone who wants to hold the ball up and does a wonderful job of bringing his teammates into play. Abraham's going to get in behind and, and break into the box. And the question, of course, is. Is Mourinho the man to get the mess out of it? Certainly, it's it's a, a crying shame for um, for for Roma that that Spinazzola is going to miss the start of the season after his injury at the Euros because that pace, we saw how much he could do for Italy, and I think that combination could be really fascinating. You've got that real speed down the wing, and you've got someone who can get in in behind defenders. But I I like Abraham's chances of of, of doing well in Serie A. There's something about his profile. I think that cliche though it is, um, Italy does still lack sometimes for those sort of real um, explosive get in behind players sometimes and and I think he's he's got that in bags um, whether or not Mourinho is, is the right man to take advantage of it, whether or not Mourinho is the right man to uh, bring Nicola Zaniolo who's been out for a year and a half but was previously sort of one of the great coming talents of Italian football. He's looked good pre-season hasn't he? he? And he's really muscled up as yeah. well I think that happens sometimes when players get hurt and end up in rehab is they sort of have mm. so much time in the gym they sort of commit to all of it but he well, has he's, he's done he's had like two injuries in a row basically yeah. so he's, he's had a lot of time to work on his own basically <laughs> mm. um, and and lots of other really talented players there Pellegrini as well but there are questions there is hang on Mourinho didn't you have a horrible relationship with Mkhitaryan when you were together in, in Manchester. Big question. Hang on, you know, Mourinho, Chris Smalling has been brilliant at Roma because Fonseca wanted to play this high line and his speed was so excellent. But again, it's not how you play, is it, Jose? That's not, that's not that's, again, didn't work out at Manchester United when you were there. We'll see. Mourinho, I think, has probably the greatest opportunity he could have found himself in European football, pretty much to reinvent himself because Rome has the attention, Rome has the mm-hmm. prestige and Roma haven't won in a while. So the opportunity is, is there to really write uh, an extraordinary new chapter. But those of us who have paid attention to his last decade, um, and especially the latter part of it really, it's unfair to say that the whole decade hasn't been, hasn't had its highs, but it's it's hard to, it's hard to remain optimistic that we won't see the bad Jose. Yeah. May have lost his mojo. And it hasn't gone unnoticed that Italy have won everything this year, from the Euros to the Eurovision Song Contest, 100 metres final in the Olympics, and 4 by 100 metres final as well, men's finals. So they must fancy themselves ahead of the World Cup. They must really fancy themselves. Oh, well, look, um, 
Mancini said before, well, certainly the day he got the Italy job, first press conference, he said he wanted to win the World Cup, not the Euros. He said the World Cup, and he said, of course, the Euros come first. So <laughs> step one completed. Let's uh, hope. After, after that year, Dotton, I strongly <laughs> fancy an Italian team to win Serie A this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll wait for that. Don't make your predictions too soon. <laughs> you know, he's a specialist in failure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. If I do that in Chelsea, eight years, I leave London, I don't come back. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This week on Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head in a fight to the death, we welcome into the arena the brilliant host of the Girls on Film podcast, Anna Smith. Join us as we battle out Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid versus Thelma and Louise. Apparently the other scene that people were like, whoa, was when Butch, at the very start, when he's fighting Logan, kicks him in the balls because your Western heroes up until that point had never fought dirty. It was just unheard of that someone would do that. And so people gasped in the theatre and then sort of burst out laughing because this was so new to them. That's what I'd do as well. It's totally what I'd do. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Uh-oh. So if we fought each other, we'd just be trying to kick each other in the balls for 10 minutes. Such an image. <laughs> And in September, Chris Vicky and I will be appearing at the London Podcast Festival for the first ever Clash of the Titles live show. Get your tickets now from kingsplace.co.uk. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Over in Germany... Bayern Munich have already won their first trophy. Give up, give the other teams a break, for goodness sake. We know you're going to win it all. Look, they've only won five out of the last six Super Cups. <laughs> I think that's very egalitarian. Um, it always feels um, to me as if the, the, the DFL Super Cup, the German Super Cup, has a little bit more about it. Because um, I think for a number of reasons... I think the scheduling this season, the fact that it's after the Bundesliga season has actually started, makes it feel a bit more live. I think the fact that it's at normally the Cup Winners' Stadium as well, I think that makes it a little bit more special rather than it being displaced like happens with French and Italian Super Cups to you know emerging markets and, and, and what have you. So it does feel like a proper game. And the fact that we're getting an early barometer of where Bayern and Dortmund are. There's a huge amount of optimism around Dortmund at the moment. Marco Rosa has made a a good immediate impact. 
Um, there's a sense that the players are re-energised. They feel they're going in a good direction without having made massive changes to the squad by any stretch of the imagination. With that said, death taxes Lewandowski scoring against Dortmund and celebrating it as if he never played for them or as if they did something <laughs> terrible to him. You know, he's now scored 24 times against Dortmund since leaving there, which is is pretty special considering all the teams he beats up on. But personally, I, I, I quite I quite like that. I, First I, goal I, was a cracker. You can't argue with that. It was, header. It, it was a tremendous header, but definitely no leadership in the centre of that Dortmund defence. And that is an issue for them. I'll come back to that because I think we should discuss Lewandowski, particularly as um, this morning there's been a bit of tattle in the UK media as we record about Lewandowski maybe looking for a new challenge. It's not being reported like that or at all in in Germany. It feels like a, a, a quiet day to me because Lewandowski was very keen on leaving before and he had a bit of a sulk when the Real Madrid move didn't go through. But since he's recommitted, he's played the best football of his career. Now, I think that's the interesting thing about him. And one of the things that stuck out for me in the, the the transfer speculation surrounding Lewandowski is, well, you know, he's turning 33 on Saturday. Well, age ain't nothing but a number. And that's really the case with centre forwards at the moment, because we see centre forwards all over Europe, not just maintaining their level, but getting better in their 30s. And Lewandowski is one of the very best examples of that. Now, he was never going to spurn the two chances that he got. And you're right, the, the the header was fantastic for the for the opening goal. But Dortmund's defending got worse and worse as it went on. I don't really want to prejudge them here because Manuel Akanji, I, I mean, any, anyone can make an error leading to a goal. That, 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 that can happen. Axel Witzel is not a central defender. And Marco Rose's plan for him to play at centre-back against Eintracht Frankfurt, the opening Bundesliga game on Saturday, which I won 5-2. Um, that was different because Rosa said, well, I wanted us to be able to dominate. So I want someone who's who's a mapper of the game playing at centre-back. And I think that makes sense, especially after uh, Frankfurt lost Andre Silva, their, their main centre-forward. Of course, he scored more goals in the Bundesliga than, than Holland last season. Um but I, I think Akanji is more of the issue. And I, I know his team have closed ranks to protect him after after, after he made that ricket for the goal. But the, the fact is, they haven't got enough strength in depth to not rely on him. I think that's an issue. You can't rely on Dan Axel Zagadou because he's fantastic, but he's he's not fit. And he's, he's again out for, for a little while. Mats Hummels is on his way back and he's going to be flying on the seat of his pants because they need him to perform straight away. So I think it's not that Dortmund can't be competitive this season, but what this game did is accentuate the doubts, I think, that, that you have about Dortmund. And funnily enough, Dario Pumacano, the biggest doubt about Bayern is their defence. And Dario Pumacano, who of course also came from Leipzig, like Julian Nagelsmann, he had a difficult first game in the league away at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Could have given away two penalties in the closing moments and certainly the one for the challenge on Marcus Turan I think it should have been a pen but for him to respond in the way that he did one of the things I like the most about Upamecano it can have a bad game and then just it's history you know it's, it's, it's yesterday's news the ability to move on from that ideally 
as a centre-back, you get to a point where you don't have bad games. But to be able to do that as a young player who's developing, to not let bad games weigh on you, I think is super important. There's no footballers who don't have bad games, except maybe Javier Zanetti, who is just a 7 out of 10 every every week. <laughs> every hair in the same place. <laughs> yeah. Every every Sunday. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by, by Bayern's um, position, not just in the Bundesliga, but I guess in a sort of bigger sense at the moment because this has been such a particular summer and we've I guess we've touched on it a little bit from from the Italian context but the money is has been so drawn out of most clubs in the game and you have this very small pool of clubs who are able to throw it around still which is mostly Premier League clubs because the Premier League is still rolling in TV cash mm. um and but even among those it's mostly the ones that have independently um, wealthy states backing them. I was going to say independent, when wealthy individuals. It's not individuals anymore. It's just states backing them. And then there's Paris Saint-Germain who've gone on their their um, their fun spree. And I there's this sort of shift of 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 power that's been happening for a while towards the Premier League, which is inevitable because of the money, and a shift towards Paris that's inevitable because of the money. And I just sort of think that Bayern are this odd outlier because. They're not talked about in the same way as as Bayern, sorry, as Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are going through their own huge financial crises at the moment. Well, they're a better team than either of them. <laughs> but they're for a, a better start team, at the moment, yeah. And, and they seem to just be more robust year to year with this stuff than than a lot of other clubs are. Yeah, although I think if there was going to be a time to get Bayern, it would be now because mm. Uli Hoeneß is, is retired, Karl Heinz Rummenigge has stepped down. It's a lot of pressure on Oliver Kahn and a sporting director in Hassan Salihamizic, who not everyone is completely sold on and also is been seen as the major driver between, uh, behind the departure of Hansi Flick because, as we were saying before, Don, a, a week or two ago, that um, exit speech that Flick did where he thanked every single person he could think of connected with the club just so he could leave Salihamidzic out, which was <laughs> magnificent, obviously. But that that puts a lot of pressure on him going into this season. And as you say, in terms of the market, there's not really a huge amount of room for him to like show his chops because th- they're being sensible. Mm. I think if they really wanted to push it, they could, but but that's not the way that Bayern rolled. That's never been the way that Bayern have rolled. And what they're saying at the moment, that, that they're in position, they would like to think, to maybe buy Marcel Zabitzer from um, from Leipzig, who would make a big difference to their midfield, I think. You get him quite cheaply because he's only got a year left on his deal. But they feel that they need to get an outgoing over the line to get that off to, to make the numbers work and, and Nagelsmann who I spoke to earlier in the week as, as, as part of, um, a, of a virtual event that the Bundesliga did around the Super Cup um, he said look you know we, um, we we need to just wait we need to be patient this is this is um, very much a, a, a long term thought rather than right now because it's, it's very clear it's not happening right now and a, and a provocative thought but I was just thinking when you were talking about Lewandowski and how readily he enjoys his goals even against Dortmund there's not a world where Haaland becomes another player to make that move down the line is there? Well I I guess it's not impossible to see the stars aligning but I think the difficulty there is Haaland a lot of people in Norway and we're good friends with one of them (laughs) but but, but believe he'll end up at at Real Madrid Yeah Um, although that you know 
when are Real Madrid going to have the money again? <laughs> well, yeah. We'll see. Um, although he's, he's more affordable next summer. So, mm. I mean, get saving Florentino. Um, <laughs> or, or the other places, the Premier League. I, yeah. I, I don't see the world where he stays in Germany. Well, the other question to ask is, and given that Andy says that now's a good time to get at Bayern, the other question to ask is, and going back to what you were saying about uh, centre forwards improving with age, how on earth are Bayern able to stop Lewandowski if all these rumours about him considering the Premier League are to be believed? You would have thought that was a natural place for him to come, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, if it depends what his goals are, I suppose. Uh, if he wants to, uh, uh, where he can go to a top club in any country he wants to. So if he wants to have that experience in the Premier League, he could. If he wanted to go to Spain, still he could. If he wanted to go to Italy and and and, and win a title there, I'm sure he could. He could but, do that wherever he wants. You know what? I think he wants Dortmund. I think he wants to score against Dortmund every single. Oh, that, <laughs> that, that that can be arranged as well in the Premier League if you're in the Champions League and much other things. But no, if we're if we've got a Premier League where people are talking about 150 million pounds, you know, kind mm. of crazy money for a centre forward. Who would you put your money on? You know, if you were a chairman of a club, would you? Put it on Harry Kane, no disrespect, or Robert Lewandowski. Well, Harry Kane is younger is the reason you would spend it on, on Kane. Well, centre-forwards get better, according to well, Andy's thesis, I, with age I, currently. I, 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 well, then buy, buy Kane, he'll be amazing in eight years. <laughs> I, I, I accept Andy's thesis, but I think it's got a limited time window still. I think it, 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 it goes on, on for a while, well. but yes. It depends on the player. I, I don't even know if that would be valid with, with Harry Kane because... Doesn't like to rest. Yeah. Does it? Does he? Whereas I always think with, um, you know, we're talking about like, you know, Lewandowski settling his accounts. <laughs> I always tend to think of him when he's on it, which is most of the time, he looks like every bit like the guy who arrived in Germany from Poland in the first place and was just pissed off that he couldn't get in the team. <laughs> The, the, the Lucas Barrios got picked instead of him. That 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 first season at Dortmund, when they did end up winning the league before he got the starting spot, he was just this sort of aura of seething anger. <laughs> and then he's been taking it out on the Bundesliga ever since. Uh, there is a, a tweet here from one of our listeners, Anna, who wants to know, you probably know about this, Andy, I have no idea, although you showed me some video footage to be taken into evidence earlier on. <laughs> um, how successful has Cologne's, or Cologne's goat cam been? Well, th- this is about their, their mascot, of course, uh, Hennis. They're now on to Hennis the Ninth. Uh, named after their former coach, uh, legendary coach, Hennis Weisweiler. And um, he's, he's a huge part of the match experience. And the, Hannah's right, the GOAT cam is very important for all this time that basically Hennis has been back at the zoo because, he, you know, he's, 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 not, he's not been allowed in the stadium. He wasn't considered an essential worker during the <laughs> pandemic. Um, he couldn't argue the case then. <laughs> No, no, he was he was gutted that he wasn't considered their go-to guy anymore. Oh. <laughs> but dear, oh dear. but um, it was unfortunate because Hennis IX took over at the start of 1920. So he didn't even get the full season before the, the shutdown. I, I would have seen his last home game, actually, which was when they beat Schalke 3-0 in the, in the, in the February that year. Um, but, you know, he's a huge part of folklore. And getting fans and everything back in the state... St- 
Cologne is such a, a ridiculously optimistic football mad city, which really appeals to me. Like last weekend, I had the traditional um, singing and prayers in Cologne Cathedral for the coming season. And then they went out there and Stefan Baumgart, their new coach, flat cap, very demonstrative, very much their kind of guy, powered them to a win over, over Hertha. So look, the GOAT camp has been important. I think we all need a bit more Hennessy in our lives, but you know, the real thing is what we need now. Vorher spielt auch Elf Ramsey, der Teammanager des englischen Weltmeisters von 66 und vielleicht jetzt Steinmann mit einem Tor. Nein, aber Stefan Kohn. Let's switch to what's going on in France, not least with Lyon, uh, the likely lads, as it were, who lost uh, 3-0 to Angers. Yeah. And who were they? You know, well, you know what? You'd know afterwards because they were fantastic, Angers. Um, managed now by long-term former Lyon assistant, uh, Gérard Baticle who's a, a very respected coach, but um, not someone associated with the top job. He's now got his chance, taken over from um, their previous long-serving coach, Stéphane Moulin. Um, Angers could have won by a lot more. They were, they were fantastic. Um, I've, I've got a Mark or OTC's cards about uh, Mohamed Ali Cho, 17-year-old, um, born in France, Spent a lot of time growing up in England while his um, parents worked here. Was in the academies at West Ham and Everton for a little bit. His family got a good vibe off Angers and so he, he went and played there. He played quite a bit last season, but he's really connected with Baticle. And he absolutely tore Leon to Bits. He was amazing. He's the guy that was brought on late on in the game, wasn't he? No, he start, he started this game. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, and he he got um, absolutely cut in half at one point by Marcelo, who's very very lucky not to get sent off for it. And I think Leon wished he'd been sent off <laughs> as it got deeper in the game as well. It was just one nil at that point with Cho giving them the runaround. And um, in the second half. Um, Marcelo, who uh, received one out of ten by Lequipe afterwards, and you always think it's, it's a point-making mark. It's no one, no professional footballer ever has a one out of ten game. This one was borderline. <laughs> Anthony Lopez Terrible. comes, well, I guess, to to about the penalty spot to 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 get the ball, and he's always there. He's you know he's the pupil of Hugo Lloris. He's always off his line. You know where he is, even if you're not looking. Marcelo passes the ball back, it's not looking where. Well. It's, it's an awful own goal. <laughs> and it, it it goes into the corner. Second goal, which which pretty much finishes it. It's actually not Marcelo who ends up getting sent off in the end, but uh, Maxwell Cornet. But the Marcelo situation has got really out of hand this week because Leon have uh, effectively sacked him. Um, following the game, they... Um, in, in the middle of this week, they released a statement where they talked about his um, inappropriate behaviour. Um, they're not talking about the, the fact that he had a very poor game um, and, and that he scored that own goal, but it was in the dressing room afterwards. Now, that kind of hung in the air. People were wondering what this inappropriate behaviour was, like singing à l'éleveur, trying to celebrate his goal. Um, it, it could have been anything. It turns out, it seems, 
that Leo Dubois, the captain, was giving a, a sort of, come on, lads, what are we doing here? That was an awful performance kind of chat. And Marcelo had a sort of bit of a smile on his face. Now, that alone might not seem too much, but it's, it's, it's accumulation of events. He's had quite a tempestuous relationship with the fans over the years, which he's since pretty much repaired. But um, th th there's the feeling that he's, he's not really been on his game. He's kind of like the Brazilian Gareth Bale. People are complaining that he's playing golf too much, basically. <laughs> he um, is, has not been rated at all by Peter Bosch, but he's got um, he's had Damien De Silva suspended. He's had um, an injury to Denier that means he's not back in the team, so he's had to play Marcelo. And it's gone so, so badly. And yeah, there's just been this overall sense that he's not really... Um, been applying himself as late. So basically, they demoted him to um, the the reserve slash amateur team that plays in the fourth tier ahead of basically cancelling his contract and, and getting rid of him. But, you know, we were saying that that feeling before that you, you, you get from Inter mm. of, you know, not just personnel, but momentum. I think if you look at the, the squad that Leon has still got, it's pretty good. Especially in midfield, like Inter, mm. there are so many good players. You're always going to end up leaving good players out. You've got Bruno Guimaraes, who's just come back from um, the Olympics, winning with Brazil, just like Lucas Paqueta, who had a really good season in his first season since coming from um, Milan last season. Kakare, um, the young midfielder who came from the academy, loads of good players. But obviously Memphis was a talisman. He's gone. Peter Bosch has really struggled to get his targets in. And he really seems to have struggled to get his ideas across because there's so little cohesion in that performance. It almost seems to me, I don't know if I'm being a bit cynical here, but the Marcelo thing has drawn attention from the fact that Bosch's ideas don't appear to be working at all. I, I was interested by exactly that thought um, because I saw there's already fan groups up in uproar and... and, and um, one of the ultras groups, I think, that put out a statement sort of basically saying, directed to the owners rather than directed to Bosch, saying you still need to give, uh, put your faith in Bosch, you need to do like this and that and support him. Mm. And that is interesting, isn't it? The new manager comes in, has a catastrophic result and we're not talking about the things that he did wrong. It's all about what one player did wrong, which, I mean, it was a very, very bad game, but... But that can happen. Yeah. I mean... Peter Bosch did play a target man in Islam Slimani mm. on the left wing. Mm. And he seems to have got away with that so far. I know he's only like two competitive games into his Lyon career, but you know that, that's something that rings alarm bells. And I, I think what might eventually ring alarm bells for the fans is it seems he's displeased with the attitude of a lot of players. One of those players is uh, Ryan Shirky. Uh, a young player just turned 18 this week who's thought of as a future star from the academy. He hasn't seemed to take a shine to Shirky. And there was even a rumour on RMC Sport that he was one of the players he'd shortlisted to sell. The fans would not be having that. Mm. Like one little bit. So, you know, I, I think the fans want something to believe in and a more aesthetically pleasing football future, I think, after Rudy Garcia. But bear in mind that, as we said, this was a team that was in with a chance of the title with a couple of games left last season and, yeah, they're in disarray it's, now. Is, is, is that, I mean, that even that, like in, in with a couple of games of the title, is is there a mindset amongst everyone now after the summer at PSG that, well, that, that's not a thing we talk about anymore or is that still 
Still a hope. Well, I, th- I think after those first couple of games, but I, I think with PSG, they've if if it was a trailer for for a film, if you imagine the season being a film and the first two games that they played against Twyla and Strasbourg with a trailer, there's enough jeopardy in it for you to want to watch the rest <laughs> of the film because they've played in this like quite flaky way. You know, that they, yeah. they had their difficult moments against Strasbourg, especially when they couldn't cope with Ludovico York, mm. their, their towering striker. And in the first game, they went 1-0 down to Twa. Um, Kelo Navas, who obviously is under huge pressure with uh, yeah. Gigi Donnarumma arriving, he played in that first game as if... You come and take my place off me. He made some really important saves which helped him win that game in the end. Okay, it's time for a brief look at your picks for game of the week. Andy, do you want to go first? Um, I am going to go Saturday night. Athletic versus Barcelona. I think it's going to be great. Of course, two of the teams who uh, voted against the CVC deal. I'm sure that that will be the chat in the stands beforehand. Um, Sam Mames with fans back in it. I mean, we know they're not full in Spain yet, but I think it's going to be pretty special. And we're getting back to Athletic being a difficult place to visit. Though I saw enough from Barcelona in that first game to think, you know, they 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 could be okay without Messi. Oh, I just love Memphis as the star. It's brilliant, brilliant. Although Messi will still be in the backdrop somewhere in the conversation. I yeah, I'm, I'm not quite arguing. Before you before you tweet in, I'm not quite arguing that, that, that Memphis is ready to fill those shoes. But he was very good against Real Sociedad on the first day. Forgive me if this turns out to be the way that it could, because we were talking before about him, but it has to be Mourinho's first game uh. back. It's Roma against Fiorentina. Will we see Tammy Abraham right away? I hope so. Um, and uh, it's it's... Fascinating because it is the beginning of the, the the new Mourinho chapter, but also this Fiorentina team, at least for now, might not be there by the time we get to the end of this transfer window. But mm. Dusan Vlahovic is is a player that you want to be watching at the moment. Brilliant last season, twenty goals, uh, twenty one years old, I think, um, and he's got a, a bright, bright future ahead of him. Whether it is in Florence or well, sooner or later it will be elsewhere. Whether it's this summer, it's elsewhere. We'll see. But um, Fiorentina. Uh, Fun to watch for that reason, but I don't know. You sometimes you have to go with the spectacle, and I think that Mourinho is a spectacle, at least in narrative terms. <laughs> good choice, good choice. What's football without the narrative? Now, just a reminder that you can tweet us at any time during the week. Uh, tweet at, at Angie Bressel, at Dotton Adibio, at Nikki Bandini, or at Football Ramble, as CJ has done. Um, I know it's the beginning of the season, but nevertheless, the question is, give us hope. Where might we see a traditional outsider win their league this season? Anywhere in Europe? Well, I I touched on, I think last week, I think I touched on PSV Eindhoven, who um, beat Ajax 4-0 in the um, Jaren Cruyffschaft, the... um, their equivalent in the Community Shield, their their, their Super Cup early on. Um, I, I really like PSV early doors. Um, they were really good against Benfica in the Champions League last night despite losing the first leg 1-0. Vlakolimos had to have a uh, 2-1, sorry. Um, Vlakolimos had to have a really good game to, to, to keep them from going back to Eindhoven with the draw. The second leg will be a banger and you can add that onto game of the week for, for, for next midweek. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the Roger Schmidt comeback starts here um, because given that I know people will say PSV are a big club, etc, etc. They've spent money. That is true. But compared to Ajax, you think after the 
money from De Ligt and De Jong and the Champions League semi-final money, they should be, like, in a, in a league the size of the Netherlands, they should be, like, impregnable for the next six, seven, eight years after, after that. Um, I guess the other one I would earmark is Portugal. They're not really an outsider because, of course, they're champions. They only lost one game last season. But it needs reiterating how incredible it was that Ruben Amorim got Sporting to win the league. And you know what? I think I actually think they could do it again. They've looked really, really good at the start of this season. I don't think I can top Andy's answers. I, I, I would say again... If if there's a team that's going to surprise people in Italy this season, I think it would be Napoli. And Napoli are not a team that get to win titles, so keep your eye on them. Imagine winning Serie A in an Armani kit. <laughs> like, like, there could literally not be a more Italian thing. It's going to happen. <laughs> This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.